0: From the Journalism and Mass Communication Studios on the campus of Bob Jones University, it's the BJU Alumni Relations Podcast. Season 2, We Mean Business, with your hosts, David Burrell and j Du. On this next episode of the Alumni Podcast, ladies and gentlemen, David and I are getting into a fixture around this community, Mr. Haro Setian. So he was definitely uh, just... Well, I wouldn't. I was about to say a big man on campus because he's done so many things on campus in the community he's been around, but he's actually a very short dude, David. <laughs> could you tell that over like Zoom when we did it?
1: No, I couldn't even tell that. He's a, very, he's a pretty short all dude. All I could focus on was his uh, system for numbering how many days he has left. Uh, yes. I thought that was fascinating. The, the cool thing about that is that it's evident that Haro is numbering his days and making them count, whether it's um, in the community, with his family, in his church, or as we've been talking about this season, in his business.
0: Yeah, he is in the housing people business and serving people to find some comfortable place to live. Many of the folks in the Upstate community will probably recognize him as folks who do real estate, have to make themselves known. But uh, he has a great kind of convoluted journey of being at Bob Jones, moving on to another school, and staying in the community to really build something special. So I think it's a great Episode.
2: My name is Haro Setian. Uh, that's an Armenian name. I grew up as the son of an immigrant, and then my mom's dad was an immigrant, both Armenian. Boston, Massachusetts, is where I grew up, went to a Christian high school uh, in New Hampshire, boarding school that was very closely connected to Bob Jones. So, I came to Bob Jones in the mid '90s, and eventually, I graduated. But I graduated from Clemson um after two years at bob jones i transferred to clemson for a number of reasons we can get into if that's appropriate on the call and then moved to chicago for about a year then spent about six six to nine months overseas and then eventually for a number of reasons uh, moved back to greenville in 2003 um and have been in greenville ever since and 2000. 2004 to six, I got my master's degree in economics from Clemson. Also got married in 2006. Uh, Then I got started on my real estate journey in 2009 uh, and started my real estate company about, there's not really a hard date, but somewhere in late 2011, 2012, early 2012, and have been doing that ever since. Also have, with my wife, become the parents of three wonderful kids, 14, 12, and 9. We are I started going to North Hills Community Church here in Greenville in 1995 when I was a freshman at Bob Jones, and pretty much that's been my home church
1: ever since. So 10 years of owning your own franchise or business. Yes. That's correct.
0: now tell us about that in the real estate world, how do we actually refer to the HARO group? If any of our listeners are in the upstate, which many are of course being affiliated with the university, the Haro group means something, but is it is it a franchise? Is it your own business is it both
2: it's such a good question, okay. uh, and it's, it, it can be a bit confusing so in the in the realm of real estate, you have kind of three three versions of real estate businesses. You have your solo agents you have teams and then you have brokerages and teams are kind of this space between solo agent and brokerage. And so a team is really the growth of a solo agent who does a lot of business and decides to hire help. And usually it looks like administrative and then it grows some more and they add some salespeople and then some more administrative. Now a team can leave a brokerage and become its own brokerage. That happens a lot, or it can stay within the brokerage. Then we talk about franchise, Obviously if, if a brokerage is affiliated with one of your large national brands like a Coldwell or a Berkshire Hathaway or a Keller Williams, ERA, Wikert, those are all franchise models. And so we've got the presence of all of those here in the upstate. So the Haro group itself is part of a franchise, but it's really operates as a as an entity within that brokerage. So I'm I'm kind of using brokerage and franchise interchangeably uh, gotcha. in this in this case. The only reason this brokerage is a franchise is because of its affili- affiliation with Keller Williams. And then the Haro Group and Keller Williams' kind of value proposition in the marketplace, which was radical when they launched uh, back in the late 80s, was that, hey, we're not the brand. The agent's the brand. So we're going to give the agent a lot of freedom to market their brand. So a lot of times people understand the Haro Group, and Keller Williams is kind of an afterthought. And KW, as an organization, is actually completely fine with that. In, in fact, I've heard Gary Keller, the founder, say obey your state laws, which in South Carolina, we have to name our brokerage affiliation. But there are some states where the team can just brand without the brokerage affiliation, and they do that. So anyway, I do have an ownership interest in – a local Keller Williams franchise and another one on the other side of the state. So I do have business interests like that as well. But my main business and the thing that I spend most of my time on is the Haro Group, which I'm the sole owner of, which is underneath the Keller Williams Drive franchise, which I'm also an investor in.
0: Okay. Now I've heard of some of these because, David, lots of my people over the course of the last 10 years plus, they've all worked for this man. Like This man has... (laughs) He has... This is the boss's boss right okay. here. So, but it, it didn't start out in real estate like you mentioned, Haro. Take us back a little further. Before you got into your entre- entrepreneurship journey, specifically in real estate, I know you were out here hustling and doing some sales in several different areas before that, right?
2: Probably not several, but the most, the, the biggest one was, frankly, when I was a freshman at Bob Jones, I had to pay for school on my own and didn't really have a way to do that. And so I came freshman year. And in fact, the summer before my freshman year, I had spent the summer working in a fish cannery in Alaska. Um, of course.
0: Who didn't, right?
2: Who didn't? It was phenomenal. Really a coming of age experience boxing frozen fish.
0: Okay. Food. Very good.
2: So that was, that was like my coming of age experience. That was the hardest I ever worked in my life at up to that point. I was working 80 hours a week in the um, the cannery, you know. 5,000 miles from home wherever I was. So I, I barely made enough to fund my first semester doing that because, you know, you had truncated summers. Plus, I didn't make that much because I was just kind of a brand new rookie worker because uh, high school ended mid-June and school started mid-August. So you had like seven or eight weeks to make money. It wasn't a lot of time, even though it was more money I could, than I could make at home. And I was getting 40 hours of overtime. So freshman year, I'm walking the what used to be the art museum. I'm walking from the dorms to dinner with my buddy and another guy from my hall, and he bumps into this girl that he knew, and they just start talking, catching up on the summer. And she's like, yeah, I made $14,000 last summer. And at that point, I'm like, whoa, wait, 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 wait. What? Was it legal? What are we ta- What are we talking <laughs> about here? Uh, yeah. And she started telling me about it, and it turns out they were having an information session that evening, and I went, met my then-future sales manager, a gentleman named Glenn, and just learned about this Thomas Nelson Publishers out of Nashville, Tennessee. This was their summer internship program. Nelson, at that time, was the largest Bible publisher in the world. The ESV hadn't launched yet, so New King James Version was kind of a big deal still, and that was their, their baby. And so I went to work for them, and it was selling books door-to-door, straight commission, 80 hours a week, different part of the country. You'd go to sales school for a week and then go sell books. You'd get. I had two roommates that were also Bob Jones students, we busted our butts, although midway through the summer those guys kind of flaked out. I kept going and you know made ten grand my first summer, so did that in undergrad and fast forward to after graduation. I actually came back to the company and then did another six or seven summers and I was a full time recruiter. I recruited students from Bob Jones uh, North Greenville, Clemson, Columbia International University down in Columbia, and my teams were always fairly highly ranked within uh, the company. I always did fairly well at sales myself, so that was my, that was my introduction to the world of sales and and really entrepreneurship because that wasn't the, that was all straight commission it was all I was living off you know you, you, you eat what you kill
0: now so many people out there haro are scared of that straight commission thought sure and you 've now mentioned this a couple of times, and i 'm not sure exactly how real estate works, and I know for an agent just starting out or maybe somebody in the office, maybe commission is a once again, a huge part of it. Talk about commission for a second here, and either keep us away from it by scaring us, or tell us no, no, no. You, there's a good living to be made with people skills and sales commission.
2: Yeah. So early on, I was scared to death as well. That freshman year, I, I'd never done anything on commission, and it, it felt felt risky. At the time. Yeah. Meanwhile, since then, I've never done anything. Well, I have. I just have always come back to straight commission. So most of my income and most of my living over my adult life has been commission based. You know, Zig Ziglar, who's fairly well known uh, and a name that that sticks in people's heads. I used to listen to his stuff on a regular basis out during those summers in my car. Tapes or CDs, depending on which year you're talking about, in the car. And Zig said something like, whether you're on commission or you're on salary, you're on commission. Because in either, in either case, the minute that you stop being consistently productive, you will stop getting paid. So w- whether someone's paying your salary or you're having to go earn commission, it's about your productivity and your skill and effectiveness in what you do. And anything you do, it just sales is a matter of just learning a set of skills and this, uh, adopting them and... Executing over time the the thing that I learned early on it was just a, it was a, it was a, a law of averages if you if you sow enough of the right seed, the plants eventually come up so that was what I was taught to just rely on is just lean on that principle the law of the harvest, which is scriptural and it's just i mean anthropological agricultural however whatever however you want to say the law of the harvest works that if you will cast enough of the right seed. So in in real estate sales or in book sales, it was really about just talking to a number of people, and eventually you're going to find the ones that are like, yeah, I'm interested in what you have to say. And then if you'll learn certain, you know, points of the presentation, if you will, and make sure that you cover those points, then there will be certain people that, as a natural byproduct of going through that process, will say, yeah, I'd like to do, I'd like to buy or do whatever it is you're talking about. Is it still a high dive into cold water for people? Yeah, I've got a guy just started with us about four weeks ago. He was actually a student at Bob Jones when I was a student there and just spent a bunch of years in the trades over the last 20 years. And he was ready for something different. He was ready to be able to, uh, he was a painter and in painting, I mean, there's only so much more money you can make in painting. And he just, he wasn't, he realized he, he had hit a stagnation point. And he wanted to grow more. So he he came to me about a year and a half ago and we started talking and, you know, the road, one step led to another and here we are and it's a matter of the thing i loved about sales is that i could wake up every morning and if i wanted to make more money i could where most people that aren't in commission work don't have that option they someone has put a price on them and that's like they may get incremental increases over time i just wasn't okay with that for me that wasn't going to work now part of the drive for me is i came from a, a family that not only didn't have much, but also the worry that went with not like some people don't have much. They're like, they're fine with it. And it's no problem. And this is great. Our family, it was regularly talked about how we didn't have. So I came from lack. We can have a whole conversation about that. So early on, my, like one of my defining drives as a young man was I'm going to make enough money that my family's not going to go through what I went through as a kid. So that's why commission sales. Once I got it, once I got, once I realized I had some I could do this then it was game on
0: now i'm sure you've got some other problems with your family now you're saying you came from lack but you're doing a little better now you mentioned you have three girls just a few moments ago now i feel like david we need to like get them on a own their own separate podcast and say like no let me tell you really how my dad is sure he's got other new problems you know that's what that's what i'm afraid of now that i'm a dad haro i'm wondering the same thing you know we're getting over some of the things that we dealt with in our generation, but we're just adding new problems to all these kids, right? Uh, but you do have a beautiful family, and we yes, we have enjoyed in the last year or two, we have become church mate members as well and seen your family around church and things like that. But yeah, you've mentioned there's been a lot of people that have come from the halls, the hallowed halls, as the university hymn says, of this place who have worked alongside you in your journey. Yeah,
2: a lot. I got two. So we started three people four weeks ago, three salespeople, and two of them were Bob Jones grads. And I'd say, I don't know, I don't think it'd be unfair to say 40 to 50 percent of the people that have worked with me
1: at the Haro group were Bob Jones grads. So, um, Haro, we could talk forever about that scarcity, you know, mindset, but um, I want to ask you more about, I think a big reason that, you know, Jeremiah mentioned a lot of times that commission idea can be scary Because of that fear of failure, that fear of not being able to be successful at this enough to have breakfast tomorrow. So how do you deal with failure, whether it's when you're trying to sell to one person or whether you're trying to operate as a business? You know, you've got employees, you've got ideas, you've got goals. So I'm just curious to hear from you how you personally deal with failure in different areas.
2: I love that question. Before I answer it, I'm going to actually say something funny that one of your comments reminded me of is Zig Ziglar used to tell the story. He's like, yeah, in my early days, he's like, man, I sold a lot. I sold my couch. I sold my car. I sold my house. Like basically to make enough money to pay the bills, right? Um, <laughs> right. It's always hilarious to hear him say it because if, if you ever listen to him, his voice is just charming and delightful. Failure. I think failure really comes down to how you, how you define it. What, what is failure to me? is not like, actually my wife and I are are very different on this. What feels like failure to her and what feels like failure to me are two very different things. So it depends on how failure is described. Like if failure is I didn't make enough money to pay the bills one month, then I'm asking myself, okay, is there something more I need to know? Did I not work hard enough? Like what didn't I do? that ended up in this result and is it then really something i can change or i can't change and if i can change it then change it and keep going right and learn like what was so you look at the failure and say okay what can i what can i take away from this and and make this adjustment over here if it's something i can't change then i gotta really ask god for wisdom like is this the path i need to be on and so do i need to look at something else and why why are we afraid of failure like what's What's the big deal? Like, I don't, if I'm not dead, then there's still life ahead. And I've lived enough life to know now that no matter what I'm going through, if it eventually passes. Like, if I've really screwed something up and I'm, I'm in a rough spot, or even if I'm not screwed something up, but something else happened that's external to me and it's made life challenging for the moment, it's usually for the moment. The unfortunate thing is a lot of people, a lot of us just extrapolate the momentary pain into like we, we just like send it out into the future. Like this is never going to end, right? And that's where that's where all sorts of other negative emotions and behaviors come to pass. So it's this – if we're believers, then there's always hope, right? And hope deferred is what makes the heart, heart sick via Proverbs. So I think it really comes back to like, hey – does God love me? He does. Like, that's true. Okay. Then what I'm going through is either if it's hard, then there's something that there's some there's a purpose for it. I may not know what it is, but I know from scripture that he's going to carry me through it. And hopefully I'm plugged into a community. So a failure is just like, I almost think it shouldn't be talked about. It'd be cool if the word didn't even exist. Hmm.
0: Because it's interesting to think, yeah, that we have a tendency to chalk up failure to an actual character flaw with us. Rather than just a circumstantial, situational, finite moment, it's some sort of character flaw. So we can't make it, we'll never make it, or something's wrong with us, right?
2: Yes. And here's the thing, right? It could be it could be a character flaw. And if it's a it's if it's a character flaw, again, there's hope. Right? Like there's hope yeah. in the in the in the family of God, in the church of God, as well as Uh, god the father son holy ghost like there's hope for that but it might be a character flaw but i do like what you what you said reminded me of a quote i've heard multiple times is that failure is an event not a person like failure is doing a failure and then not doing anything about it i guess that would be failure like consistently just living in that whatever that is i guess that would be a version of a definition of failure so yeah it might be a character flaw but it might just be okay I wasn't effective at what I did. All right, now what? What's next? You know, the beauty of selling books door-to-door is you got to deal with what you thought of as, or what could be construed as, failure, like, tens to hundreds of times a week, right? At Like, we, we, we tracked our numbers, so you had an approach ratio. So you knock on a door. If they let you in, I guess that's success. If they don't let you in, that's failure. But you didn't think about it that way. But, okay, so if I had to knock on... 80 doors to make 20 presentations, that's 60 failures. Okay. I make 20 presentations and I sell three or four, uh, three or four clients that's 16, 17 failures. But if I sell three or four clients every day doing what I just described at the end of the summer, I had 10 grand that's success. So the beauty of it. uh,
0: Yeah. It's just like baseball. Uh, they say, you know, you only have to you only have to hit bat 300 to make the hall of fame, right? So that's that right. means you didn't hit 700 balls that went by that's you right. know, at all. So, but that's hall of fame numbers right there. So yeah, I, it's just, uh, it's just a mindset around but, uh, sales but, and some people,
2: but that's an F minus in college. But no, if you think about it, that, that is, that's actually one of the, that's one of the, our current educational system is one of the ways that people get mixed up in this because like, if I had a 50% close ratio, those summers selling books, I would have made a lot of money. But a 50% in anything, in any schooling environment is an F, right? Now, I understand why it's an F. Like, it's literally you have to memorize and critical think. Like, I get it. But people's brains get tuned to a certain percentage. And then when when in life, they don't hit 80%, 90%. Well, there's hardly a day goes by that I'm 80% successful, or 90% successful in the things I set up. To, and so it's just like, I guess I just don't think about failure all that often.
1: That's great. I, lo- I love that answer. And the question I do have for you is there, do you remember anyone making an impact on your life while you were here on campus? Or is there—is there, is there an, a thing that you learned while you were here? Maybe the person that introduced you to this book company is the person that impacted you the most. Who knows? You know, Maybe that changed the course of your business journeys. So I don't know.
2: So that did. That changed, course of course, my entire life. Because actually, my sales manager in that business was the most important. I didn't really have a dad growing up, and th- and this guy became a mentor to me in my 20s, uh, and I wouldn't be who I am today without the influence of that of that gentleman right. that I that I got introduced to through that girl walking down that you know next to the art museum. Back then, or the art gallery. The, I would say probably one of the most impactful professors I had at Bob Jones is a gentleman named Al Carper, who I think is still around. I don't know if he's still teaching. His, his brother actually worked for me for a number of years, Brad Carper. But Al taught me my first economics class, which I, I don't think I mentioned it, but I, I got my degree in economics from Clemson after transferring there. And then I got a master's in economics from Clemson. And I will say that that disciplined thought approach to life and problems has been hugely impactful. And if it wasn't for the way, I don't know who my other, like, I think I took micro with uh, Mr. Carver and macro with someone else. I can't remember who, but it was like, his economics class made me really come to life. Like with my thinking, I remember Chris Martin taught me accounting And I did really well. I got an A on my four credit first accounting class I ever took. And he was like, man, have you ever considered being an accountant? I was like, no way am I going to be looking at numbers all day, every day. Like, that's just not going to, not, not like what I thought was accounting, which 80% of it is, I had no desire to do. And I'm glad I never went that direction. Although accounting is a really good business discipline to have. So I would say, I mean, those, those two guys, I mean, I loved Chris Martin, Dick Stratton. I don't know if he's still around. I know he was president of... Clearwater or something at one point and then I think he came back but those guys were just they were awesome good friends I say good friends they weren't friends back then but but good professors and then there's people that and then there's people that have become relationships more in more recent years that have that are still like people that I I value and look up to and respect and Paul Radford who was a high school classmate of mine but he's a a professor there now Michael Moore uh, Dr. Lawson so some good ones
1: so, Haro, uh, Jeremiah comes to you tomorrow. He's starting the Do Group. We do housing. We do mm, homes. Mm. Uh, what's we your... do
0: better than Haro. That's, <laughs> that's our motto right what's now. What's your
1: first piece yes, of advice? What's
2: do. The... <laughs> yeah. mm.
1: What's the most important thing Jeremiah needs to know if he's starting a new business tomorrow? Any business, but I was just going to put it in real estate terms.
2: Man, you know. The the crazy thing about business is like you, you, you narrowed it, you tried to narrow it down to one thing and I'm just going to, I'm going to evade that, that one thing mentality. I guess I'll make it two things just to keep it simple. In any business, you have to master two things and that is the business you're in and sales because you could be a master of X, Y, or Z, but if you can't sell and you're an entrepreneur, you don't have a business. So if there's no way to, to generate buyers and or interest in whatever it is that your business service or product that your business provides. So it, it's understanding that if you're not going to do sales, you better find someone to do sales. Then there's a whole bunch of other stuff. But that's, that's really critical. to get really key is that in any business you're in, you're actually in two businesses. You're in the sales business and you're in the business of whatever product or service you provide. And you have to be masters of both things in order to have a successful business.
1: Well, you're pretty good at selling yourself, so I, there's me? hope here. No, I was
0: just—I was being
1: quiet. I wasn't even
0: trying to sell anything. I was here minding my own business, and everybody keeps calling me to be involved. So that's all. If you dress nicely, right, and Bob Jones taught us not only how to make a living, but how to live, right? That was <laughs> over the top of all of the chalkboards at the time. Then you'd be good, right? People will call you. You're good, right? Have a good smile, maybe. But, uh, yeah, I I think that you're right on. Uh, uh, You know, Haro, there's so many folks out there who are potentially masters of some sort of trader skill or thought process. But uh, they also need to be doing their salesmanship or saleswomanship out there to get that message across to other people who want that service product and are willing to pay for it uh, because someone else is a master of it and they're not. So if you don't know how to sell or somebody in your office is not doing the work there to get a few names on the dotted line, you might be in trouble in business.
2: You will be in trouble.
0: Indeed.
1: Alright, so we've been asking everybody this question and it's uh it's brought some surprising things and, and some and some encouraging things out, but has it ever been hard for you to be associated with BJU or, or have you ever had any struggles with that or had conversations about uh Bob Jones University and then had some some weird reactions or anything like that? I don't know what you thought of when you read this question, but I'm I'm anxious to find out.
2: Yeah. There's a, there's only one discrete instance I can think of that comes to mind where it was, I was like, Oh, interesting. The, when I, so when I graduated from Clemson, I'd done really well academically and had a good resume, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I landed interviews with several investment banks. so I was interviewing in New York city and in Chicago, and I went pretty deep with bank of America securities up in Chicago and one of my interviewers at one point – now, I was young. I was still a little bit like, eh, about my Bob Jones experience. And we were going through the interview, and he's like, oh, you transferred from Bob Jones to Clemson. I was like, yes, I did. And he's like, that's one of the smartest moves you've ever made. And I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't talk to him anymore about it or, you know, it just went on. Since then, you know, I am proud of the the – the adjustments the university has made over time. I haven't kept super close contact. Like I'm not a super involved alum, but I'm not a super involved alum, alum of Clemson either. So that's not a Bob Jones thing. That's just a horror thing. You know, when some of this stuff was, uh, it doesn't really come up. I mean, it was more internal dialogue. Like it just doesn't come up in my business world at all. Every once in a while, people are like, Oh, you went to Bob Jones. And I just shrug it off. Like, I don't mind being a weirdo. Like, it just doesn't – if if they try to go there, but but they really don't. It's just – it's been a non-issue for most of my adult life and, and frankly, for most of my career. So, yeah, and I'm proud of, of the adjustments the university has made. I mean, we're we're on campus regularly, frankly, at this point. My kids uh, were at camps a number of times this summer. Now, I wouldn't have – the younger version of me probably would never have imagined that. Like, I was pretty raw for a little while. Uh, regarding my Bob Jones experience, but between what God Bob Jones has done and what God's done with me and just the maturing process of becoming an adult and having a family and having kids, like I'm, we were looking at the academy for my daughter. We're still going to homeschool. That wasn't a, we don't want to do the academy or any other school. It was, just, we just want to continue homeschooling. Kids were there at camp. My wife sang um, in an artist series a couple of years ago for Dr. Panosian. We go to the summer Shakespeare every year. Love that with Dr. Stiegel. So I think in my earlier, more immature years, I think I was, you know, we all love to hate to a certain degree. Maybe not all, but.
0: But I think we all do that, sure, from time to time. But you're right. There's a maturing process most of us go through. And I think people who are in business and who lead teams and who have to sell themselves, and I don't mean in a bad way, but they sell themselves to the community. We don't go around with our head down and our shoulders, you know, in a position. That's just not how you can run business. Right. right, you don't spend a lot of time worried about yesterday. You go out there and kill something, drag it home for something new, meet new people, shake new hands. So I think that's probably a, a fair way to assess what I think Haro is saying, even about his business maturity over the course of the years. You've done a lot of great things, I think, in business in this community, and uh, I've gotten plenty of emails, that's for sure, from his <laughs> team. So. <laughs>
1: I mostly appreciate what you said about the work the Lord has done in you and then also that we're both different. You know, the university is different. You're a different person. And I think it's the same for anybody that you're in school with. You know, 10 years later, you're both different people. Oh, sure. 100%. Yeah.
0: Now that I have now that I have children. I got to be real careful about what I used to complain about. You know what I'm saying? I got these kids, and I'm saying, you know what? There are certain traits that I don't want to be known as, and until you have responsibilities like business, employees, teams, and kids, you don't even think about that. That's so right. I think plenty of us spend a lot of our, in my era, it was all of my 20s, and we had babies at 30, my age, but sure, I was a different guy at that point. But you get yourself some kids and some responsibilities, and you're like, all right, Everybody needs to put their shoes away and stop complaining.
1: We're just not going to do that in this
0: house.
2: That's right.
1: (laughs) Haro, tell people how to find you if they're looking for a house, because I I don't want to pass up an opportunity for you to to share about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, easiest way is the harogroup.com, and that's the, which we all know how to spell. Haro is just help a realtor out. ha. And then group.com, the harogroup.com. So that's the easiest way. I'm also very findable on Facebook. Uh, Instagram. You can look up Haro. There's not that many of us, um, and you're, you're good to go.
1: Thanks again for listening to the BJU Alumni Relations Podcast. This is David Burrell, class of 2013, and I'm really excited to share these stories of alumni around the world as they continue the mission of BJU by learning, loving, and leading in their communities. For more information about stories like this that we'll be releasing over the coming months, email us, bjualums at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.